Welcome to the October 2019 edition of Bookplate. Find us on the web at foreveryoungadult.com. Join a book club chapter in your area or start your own by visiting us online and clicking on the book club link at the top. Don't forget to check out our monthly themed wallpaper created by graphics goddess Mandy C, which is always featured at the top of the page. I'm Annie, and in this book, I think I'm either the female hitchhiker or the guy who actually helps her, the shy guy who helps her, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. The, which guy? When she infiltrates the friend group, and he is into her, she does the dancing. Javi, yes. Yes. (laughs) He was, he was like an actual nice guy. Yeah. uh, And like most of the men in this book. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Our amuse-bouche, which is how we start off and know what we're going to sink our teeth into, is girls go missing all the time, but is that an excuse to ignore their story? This novel follows a serial podcast covering the mysterious disappearance of Sadie, gone one year after the tragic death of her sister, Maddie. Sadie's tracking who she believes to be Maddie's killer, a man who most people can only see as kind. Uh, yeah, this book is a lot. Yeah. Oh, and it's by Courtney Summers. Um, she's written a few novels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was looking, I was reading a something online about summary of this book, and someone said, if you know Courtney Summers, you know she knows what teenagers are fully capable of, what teenage readers can take, and she'll push you past that comfort level Ooh. always. And I was like, that's a really good way to describe what's going on. Yeah, because... I haven't read any of her other books, but I'm familiar with All the Rage because mm. that's been on my list for a minute. And yeah, it seems like this is that's kind of her niche. Our other cover take is when we ask our significant others what they thought the book was about by just looking at the cover. Jamal said Sexy Sadie, which is Charles Manson girl who actually mm. like knew all the info and the one to kind of like give him up and everything. So she's also one of the ones who committed the murders. So Hmm. that was very (laughs) intense uh, reference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm Brit. I think in this book, I will be Sadie's switchblade. And that's okay. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) I was thinking about that. And I was like, uh, yeah. You know, like getting close, but I'm not going to like stab you unless you... Unless you deserve it. Unless you deserve it. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll scare you maybe a little. Garrett, my husband, he... I actually started to listen to this audiobook with him because he's into, like, true crime and he, likes watches SVU and all that stuff. But um, he... It's like when we watch Netflix shows together. Like, I want to marathon the whole show in a weekend. And he's like, let's watch an episode or two one night and then a couple days later. And I'm just like, nah. Like, so I had to, like... (laughs) Maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll go, I'll go back and listen to it with him again. But he said, um, if he didn't know what it was about, he would think that it was like a horror thriller mystery because he said the picture looks very ghostly and haunting. And so he thought like maybe a group of kids find a body and they're trying to track down what happened to her or, and the tagline is a little misleading also. It says, if she dies, the truth dies with her. Mm-hmm. And that makes it seem more ghost story than it is. It's not, but yeah, so he thought maybe she got killed because she knew some fucked up shit and, like, people are trying to find out what happened to her, so. I mean, that kind of is I, yeah. what happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, looking at the picture, it definitely, yeah, because you can't see her face, like, the wind, her hair is covering it, and then it's just, like, plain white except for the red jacket, so. Yeah, yeah it does look ghosty-ish. And then especially because it's October and there's usually 
something paranormal, I think, for the FYA picks True. in October. So It's not a real story, right? It's not a true story, but it definitely could be true. Yeah. It, I think it absolutely could be real. Yeah, definitely realistic fiction. So no ghosts this time, but still really scary. Maybe one of the best, like, I think it gave me one of the creepier vibes of the books. You know, you know it's not going to turn out good. Right. It's just like, There's just how no bad way. is it going to be? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With that said, our appetizer is a protein-laden shake. And I'm just going to go over some of the trigger warnings for the book. There is some pretty intense depictions of violence and addiction of different types of drugs. Sadie comes from a family of a mother who ha- does, has drug addiction issues and who kind of like abandoned her and her sister. There's also pretty intense descriptions of sexual assault as well as pedophilia, child sex abuse of children as young as like three, I think, in the book. They might, I th- maybe a little bit older. There's one abuser who five. was like five. Five to eight was like the kids that in he the coached. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really young and and it's also familial abuse. So within a family setting and there's a lot of blood in this book, too. Mm-hmm. So I just like it's all those things. Britt and I were just talking about which novel we think was as intense as this one maybe the female of the species is the only other one that we've read in forever young adult that's as graphic and violent i don't know something about the descriptions in this book like they're almost creepier because they're not explicit like there's so much implied and like she's able to say so much with like just a very few well-chosen words that create like really graphic and disturbing pictures but she doesn't come right out and say like describe the abuse like x y and z happened but like just these sort of creepy hints it i'm getting goosebumps just thinking i know but like the (laughs) first one and she also they also do a really good cut back and forth between the two different narrators yes that was one of the things garrett didn't like about the audio because we listened to the audiobook and he was like you know i like the podcast but then it was switches back to sadie's narration it's just the switch is like really jarring but i liked that a lot the back and forth I think it's intentional. Like the yeah. the first time it happens, she goes outside at a truck stop and is trying to get some information out of this guy and it cuts off when he like pulls down his pants. Right? And so then you assume yeah. what happens next and then we have this whole side story and then we come back and it's it's not what you think happened. Right. But be, that's literally weighing over the whole next piece of the narrative. Yeah. So and then they just keep layering it on like Yeah. Like, it's like this is like a terrible math problem, but like two trains are traveling on the same track, like whatever. Cause like Sadie's story is like slightly ahead of like the podcast and you can kind of see the point where Wes telling this story as he's trying to track her down, like catches up to like where Sadie is in real time. So I thought it was done really well. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't quite tell what the time leg was. I'm like, are we going to get there in time? How close are we? At one point he said five months or something, mm-hmm. I think was the gap between them. And then, the first time I really had an accurate picture of where the timeline might be was when Sadie talked to the pregnant woman. But then when Wes talked to her, he said she was holding a baby. I was like, mm. oh, OK. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Some time has passed, but not like a whole lot. Yeah. It's yeah. like just close enough. Yeah. You know? uh, do you and it like say- inches the gap na- like gets smaller and smaller like as the story goes on too which is really interesting. Yeah. Was yeah. there anything else you wanted to say for the appetizer? Like anything you want to bring up here? Um, 
No, I don't think so. Just it's a heavy book, but if you can, it's well worth a read or a listen. Yeah, I would say it's not topics that are fun. No. But there are topics that are affecting our lives daily, which I'm going to go into here with the main course. Yeah. So it's not something that we should ignore. Definitely. Yeah. So main course is truck stop snacks. Sadie. I find the car on Craigslist. It doesn't matter what kind, I don't think. But if you need more than that to work with, it's boxy. Midnight black. The kind of color that disappears when it's next to any other. Back seat big enough to sleep in. It was offered up in a hastily written ad in a sea of hastily written ads. But this one riddled with spelling errors that suggested a special kind of desperation. Make an offer, please. Settled it for me. It means I need money now, which means someone's in trouble or they're hungry or they've got a chemical kind of itch. It means I've got the advantage. So what else can I do but take it? Sadie is searching for her sister's killer and she is basically just like knows she's running out of time. So she has spent a significant amount of her money on the car and like really isn't doesn't have another source of funds. Mm -hmm. So she's just like kind of subsistence living as she tracks down this guy. Yeah. And so all she has all she can buy are like the truck stop snacks even though they're not like that good or they're expensive. So I might even like going back to the triggers, I might even add like an eating disorder trigger mm. to this one. Cause like, I don't th- something about the description of like Sadie, you know, and it's, it's, she's doing it to survive, but like she doesn't eat until like she has to. And then it's like very clear in the descriptions that she's eating enough to just survive. And I don't know, just like all of the talk about like her body, like wanting to reject what she's eating and she knows that she needs something like heavy in calories so that she doesn't have to eat again for a while. And like, I don't know, that seems like it could be definitely. I mean, I also think that's about the poverty level that she's at. Yeah. You know that she probably wasn't eating a lot of food before she got here. You know, she doesn't have a parent providing for her. She and her sister are living under the good graces of like a family friend yeah yeah I think that's a good ad so I'm gonna talk about a bunch of different um (sighs) abuse against women and girls essentially because I want to bring all of these up so yeah totally the main we hear this over and over again is girls go missing all the time girls go missing all the time my boss Danny Gilchrist had been talking for a while about me hosting my own podcast and when I told him about Maybeth's call and about Maddie and Sadie he urged me to look into it It seemed a little kismet, he thought, that I was in the area when Maddie died. Still, those were the first words out of my mouth. Girls go missing all the time. Restless teenage girls, reckless teenage girls, teenage girls and their inevitable drama. Sadie had survived a terrible loss, and with very little effort on my part, I dismissed it. Her. I wanted a story that felt fresh, new, and exciting. And what about a missing teenage girl was that? We've heard this story before. And this is very, very true. But in the book, we don't actually get the full picture of all the girls that go missing. Mm -hmm. We're really only looking at white White girls. girls. (laughs) And we're really only looking at white girls in the Midwest. We're not, there's no discussion of 
sex trafficking from larger cities. And there's no discussion of these things that I want to specifically bring up. So the first one is the missing and murdered indigenous women hashtag Mm -hmm. mission. It's MMIW. And sometimes you'll see MMIWG. And I want to say there's some good resources on here. If you just look it up on Google, Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, you can find stats and organizations that are working to combat this epidemic. I follow this one woman on Twitter. Her name is Del Schilling or Dolores Schilling. She and her husband have a podcast where they talk about Native folks doing like cool creative stuff but she also every day tweets out will you will you tweet this with me missing and murdered women are missing and it's like a running tally of how many indigenous women are missing wow and which is just intense you know like I see it every day I don't personally retweet it every day because I have my own thoughts about sharing missing folks on Twitter and social media and how effective it is with my followers mm-hmm. and and also just how sometimes retweeting that stuff onto the timeline triggers other folks trauma. Yeah. So I'm I do look at it every day and I think about it and I think about how we're kind of failing that community. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm I'm familiar with the hashtag I follow a few like native activists on Twitter and it's one of those things that like people seem to keep screaming about and nobody's listening. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to put this website up there so you can look at the statistics, yeah. but it's something insane like it's such a high rate yeah. of women experiencing violence and the other part of this is it's native women experiencing violence at the hands of white men. So there's a lot going on there that we just don't discuss. And then because we're recording this in October, this is a really difficult month. Fall is a rough (laughs) season to be indigenous. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So we have this weekend, we're recording the weekend of um, what is now indigenous people's day in San Francisco, but most people probably still know is Columbus day is the federal holiday. They've actually changed the name of the parade to the Italian Heritage March or Parade in San Francisco. Italian Heritage? Okay. Yep. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah. And Halloween. Halloween. Cultural appropriation. Up the wazoo. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. So I just want to bring that up. Like, one of the reasons there's such a high rate of indigenous women experiencing sexual violence at the hands of white men is because of the sexual depictions of indigenous women that we see a lot of during Halloween. So yeah, that costume you're wearing does actually hurt people. And one of the stories I find really interesting is that when they came out with a sexy handmade costume, like enough people fought back that they removed it, but there's still a lot of sexy like Indian princess costumes that out there that they are still selling because some voices are not listened to some voices are louder and that people willfully choose to not see a problem with or they say like my great 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 grandmother was a Cherokee princess or whatever and it's like no no that's not how it works at all (laughs) that's like it's yeah like I said I follow a few native activists on Twitter and like that's like one of the immediate tells because like Cherokee did not have like royalty (laughs) do not and did not and it's always like a percentage when that's not how belonging to 
a community works. Yeah, blood quantum does not give you an indigenous identity. Yeah. That's a whole thing. But yeah. Yeah. A whole thing that Elizabeth Warren needs to figure the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The other one I want to bring up here is the epidemic of missing black girls. So I also just went online and found some stats today. There's a National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And the numbers that this website was hosting said there's over 400,000 girls of all races that have gone missing since the beginning of 2018, but more than half of that total are women and girls of color. These statistics are coming out of the FBI, though. So again, this is only what we know that's been reported. Right. That's not the full picture. Yeah. Another really good YAA book on that topic is Monday's Not Coming by Tiffany Jackson. Tiffany Jackson, I think. Let me double check that. Was that the um, one you were reading where you were really worried about what was going to happen? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, uh, yeah, Tiffany D. Jackson. It's about this girl whose best friend goes missing and she seems to be the only one who notices or cares. And like everybody is just like, oh, well, I'm sure she's just late or I'm sure she, maybe she moved or. Maybe she dropped out and like, no, she's the only one who's worried and like nobody is doing anything to like find her friend. It's a really intense but really good story. And it's like, you know, focusing on how it's different when like a black girl goes missing versus like a white girl. Yeah, it really is. I mean, this country does not care about young girls of color. It yeah, just doesn't like she goes to the police and the police are just like, eh. yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a really, really good book. Really intense. But. And we are living in the Bay Area where there's a pretty high percentage of young girls that get trafficked. There's billboards about it in my neighborhood. I see often like arrest reports on individuals who are who are arrested for trafficking underage girls. We had an entire issue with our police force where over 40 men had sex with a trafficked underage girl. 40 police officers, not just men, but members of the police force had sex with an underage trafficked girl. So it's it's not something that you really can go to the police about and expect help. Oh, God. This is mildly related. But did you hear about the black woman who was murdered in her own home by a cop because her neighbor called the police to perform a wellness check? And like the neighbor is now like beating himself up about it. Like if I hadn't called the police, like she'd still be alive. And like, why didn't you go and knock on the door, dude? You're her fucking neighbor. Sorry. Yeah, no, I know. (laughs) But I mean, like, that's like a sad reality that has been kind of common knowledge in communities of color for a long time. But a lot of other people are like just starting to realize, like, don't call the cops. Like, it's not going to end well. They're not there to protect everybody. No. Four seconds. Four seconds. He busts in the door and said, put your hands up. Didn't identify himself as a police officer and like shot her within four seconds, like not even giving her enough time to react. And then like the article that I read mentioned that a firearm was found in her home. Oh, fuck you. First of all, Texas is an open carry state. Second of all, like, you know that they only meant he didn't notice it until afterward. Right. So it's only there so that he could say, like, I felt threatened for my life. And it's just all fucking bullshit. We don't have mental health resources that work in this country, but if that's what you're worried about, the police are not the folks to call. Mm -mm. They just don't, they're not trained for that. Mm -mm. They are trained to shoot. They are not trained to escalate. They are not trained to help. Yeah. I also want to bring up Jeffrey Epstein. (sighs) Uh, Again, trafficking of vulnerable girls, but let's talk about how Jeffrey Epstein has had big name, big numbers, big press coverage. He was trafficking white women. 
But so many people along the way just looked the other way. I read an article that interviewed, uh, I don't know if it was somebody who worked at like the airport on like the island mm. or whatever, but like his fucking sex island. Yeah. Like that actually exists. This is not fake. This is not yeah. <laughs> made up. But they interviewed somebody who said that he like tipped really well, like the, the pilots and did. the people who had to help get the girls there that like no one said anything. That's so not surprising. I was looking at an article on that today and it was talking about how he particularly targets the most vulnerable and they were saying vulnerable means you don't have a parent in the household or a good support system and who need money. Yep. And that is who Sadie is. That is who Sadie and Maddie are in this book. And look at R. Kelly. I mean, like he went for girls who, you know, either like they didn't have parents or like he promised them they wanted to be a singer and he promised he could help with their career. And the parents were kind of blindsided by that as well. And like, yeah, oh God, so gross. Yeah. The Epstein article was saying, like, if you offer four hundred dollars to a 13 year old, that's a lot of money to them. Yeah. You know, and it is a lot of money when you're 13. Anyway, I wanted to bring that up because then finally taking it to the highest office of the land, Donald Trump who we know has been accused of raping underage girls, including mm-hmm. 13-year-old, is friend with at least five pedophiles who are known to be involved with sex trafficking and blackmail schemes. So just so everyone knows why blackmail is involved with this, this is actually based on Russian intelligence tactics from the KGB. They call it Compromat. And what they do is they train women to have sex with high-level politicians and people in government so they can collect information and like evidence that you did something wrong and then they have that over you so they can blackmail you and force you to work for them so the pp tapes are out there somewhere i mean they are <laughs> I, they have to be they have to be oh god but just so there's a list of these i mean and these are five of donald trump's closest friends you know we've got epstein there's also this guy named casablancas arif nader and cone and that comes from Sarah Ken- Kenzior, who I listen to her Gaslit Nation podcast, along with Andrea Chalupa, and I follow both of them on Twitter. If you are interested in the political aspect of what's going on, I highly recommend both of them. All right. And then finally, and I've read all this recently while looking at this book, so it's all readily available out there and like new. This is all 2019 resources and sources. The New York Times published an article on September 29th about child sex abuse on the internet. One of the most intense things I've ever read. It's a long-form article. It'll take you some time to get through it. I had to stop and like breathe a couple times. And it links to another article about people who are specifically investigating online child sex abuse. And it discusses how they were able to take over one of these websites in the deep web. So the deep web is where people go to do nefarious things that you're not supposed to be doing on the internet, right? You can't actually get on with a regular browser. You have to have a specialty browser. And that's where people go buy and sell drugs with Bitcoin and also traffic images and people. So through that investigation, Australian cops moved the server of the largest child sex abuse site on the web to their servers and then acted as the owners of this website, which meant they themselves had to speak as if they were the child sex abusers and share images of children being abused. And so when this case finally went to court, the mother of one of the girls was talking about how like the cops had shared her photo. And it's like, okay, well, that's that's a crime. And so these cops are like rationalizing. Like the ends justify 
the they, means yes. or whatever. Mm. They're rationalizing increasing the abuse this this girl has received by her f- image being shared by the fact that they were able to take other people down. Oh, God. And so it it's there's so much tied up with this. Like pretending to be in a child sex abuser. Like one of the cops was like, when I when we took them down, I felt like they were my friends. I'm like, you should <laughs> like, Oh shit. Like they'd gone that deep. I'm like, this is it's the and and the final statistic I want to bring up here is that the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children is supposed to be funded and supported and have all of this money going to it to address these things. But since Trump has been in, in office, they've been diverting these funds to ICE and the border wall. So the money that's supposed to be going to finding children is now going, going to, to keep them in cages, keeping them in cages. It's so insane. It's literally like a bedrock of our country that we abuse women and children and girls. (sighs) So yeah, I mean, Oh gosh. Like going back to what you said about the cop saying like, you know, getting so deep in this that it's like, Oh, they were my friends. And I was thinking about in this book, how the woman who's okay. So Sadie tracks down this, the, this woman whose brother is a friend of, the man she knows is Keith or whatever, Silas, right? Silas Baker. And there's this idea of, oh, that person couldn't have done that because they've never done it to me. Or like, and then when she tracks down Keith or Darren or whoever, whatever his alias is, like at the hotel, like the guy is like, well, what? He got me this job or what? He saved my life. Like, I don't believe it. He did something nice for me one time. How could like he had this whole other side to him that like he's never shown to me. Like when people were upset that JK Rowling was defending keeping Johnny Depp in the, I mean, I want to say Harry Potter, but it's not really canon. It's like <laughs> the monsters, one, the fantastic Beast. beasts. Yes. Beast. The fantastic beast <laughs> movies. And she's like, well, like I know him as blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's how abusers hide <laughs> in plain sight. Right. Exactly. They get high-profile allies, people who could say they'd never do that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the reason why I went over all of that is because this book looks at one very small, very sliver. specific, like yeah, zoom in, but it's a whole network of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is actually part of like QAnon's theory is that child sex traffickers are running the world. Like this is what the Clintons were blamed with. This is how Pizzagate happened. I don't know how far away I am from believing child sex traffickers run the world. They clearly run this country. I don't know. I don't think I also am not a QAnon person. I don't think there's like a greater plan. I think they're just getting away with it as much as they can until somebody actually actually calls them on their bullshit. I don't want to like I want to bring this up, but I don't want it to sound like whataboutism or both sideism or whatever. But I read this article one time and it was like a really like deep dive and it was like it had interviewed pedophiles or whatever and it was really it was really hard to read but it was also really interesting because like there are very few resources to actually help the ones who want help Hmm. before they turn into like this before they become an abuser or before they act on like whatever and it's just it's really fucked up all around it is it was like I mean, what what are the people who want help supposed to 
do like if they haven't abused anyone if they know that they have this sickness or whatever even like just mentioning it could like land them in jail and so like I don't know I don't know like there should be resources to help people because like this goes back to our inability to help our, our healthcare system yeah and our inability to help people or lack of desire yeah. to build support systems for folks you know yeah and i'm like in it absolutely no way excusing anyone who touches a child like no but i mean there are people out there who know that it's wrong and who want help before this happens before they get to that point and like where are the resources for them I mean that's why they get together that's, with other folks who are like-minded and, and they go in hiding yeah. and then the dark web and yeah 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 I mean they definitely flock together that happens in the book you know yeah the brother and the it's her stepfather like her mother's boyfriend whatever the guy with all the aliases get together and they meet each other at this bar and then they become friends or they meet each other in what is it high school yeah yeah but then they like form a lifelong relationship where they know they're of the same ilk yes yeah when i read the article in the new york times the the two guys that started the the deep website met each other online and then realized they were of the same ilk and they're both like young white guys who are cybersecurity experts so of course they were able to build this whole system and hide it in plain view you know yeah I just, this is preventable, like, on so many levels. Well, I think there's some people that think it's okay to abuse children. They're not trying to raise a child that, like, their only reason to have that child in their life is so that they can use them for whatever means to an end. Like Keith in the book, like, he would, like, he would pick up women at bars and he didn't drink. Like, he was looking for, like, desperate single mothers who had young kids. So he could get close to them. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to say, like, this book is set in current times like we've got the serial podcast going on we've got the cell phone use we have like it's current times but the only actual materials we see are the photos hidden in a house somewhere and I'm like I definitely think there would have been more going on on the internet probably but he also collected like the shirt collars with the tags hella creepy yeah so like I think there's something to like wanting like a physical like trophy yeah. or like some kind of like thing that he could collect like from whatever his fucked up like conquests or whatever like that's I think a big part of it too so and then maybe I mean m- maybe in nowhere Colorado like it is more secure to him to like hide this shit in an abandoned house than it is like on a computer that somebody could easily like hack into or whatever or that's true i don't know right because i mean like nothing on the internet like is ever really safe it never goes away right if anybody suspected him like you know the computer is the first thing they're gonna seize and they're gonna like look in your hard drive and all that shit but like if he has something stashed away where like only he knows about it that may maybe that's that's a maybe that will help me think it through but yeah it that that guy was actually more of a I mean they're all creeps right but that guy who like becomes the paragon of the town oh, wait I'm confusing the two guys Silas is the one who had the pictures yes and then um what's his face uh the alien. Keith, Keith had the shirt yeah colors Keith had the yeah. shirt colors but I mean it speaks to both of them right they both like had to collect yes. like something physical of their victims like Silas was also the t-ball coach and I just like I want to bring up the fact that like 
you know, Kavanaugh was the coach of the girls basketball team. Like, I have to say for me, as soon as I heard that during those hearings, I was like, no, no, he's bad. My, why would you be so proud of that? My high school volleyball coach was creepy as fuck. There were a lot of rumors about him just being really creepy with the girls. He only coached girls volleyball. One time he tucked my shirt in. Ew. I did not ask him to or expect him to or anything but like it was before a game and he was like oh your shirt's not tucked in and he just does it for me (laughs) yeah proximity people people who get you know hired to do those things yeah (sighs) creepy god it's so it's so pervasive the santa claus at my local mall was oh no oh my god yeah Ew. And kids like, on his lap and yes, everything. Yes, kids on his lap. Oh, I have a picture of me sitting oh, on his lap. No. I never went to his house, which is where he abused the children. But he was like a local guy in the neighborhood. Somebody that parents trust their kids with. Yeah. That's like, right? That's why Keith was like getting close to these single moms. And that's why it's coaches and like sometimes teachers and ugh. Yeah. People with easy access. It's really fucked up. This is the only picture of us that includes mom and Keith. He has a hard face, a week's worth of beard, and deep crow's feet I can't believe he ever got from smiling too much. He looks like he would step out of the photograph just to hate you up close. Yeah, I think what I liked about the book is, like, even though it is a really small sliver, it's such a deep dive. It is, yeah. By the end of the podcast, I'll look up the article that I was talking about. But I specifically remember from the article that, like, interviewed various, like, pedophiles or whatever. There was one who was a preschool teacher. And, like, the interviewer or the writer was like, don't you think that's kind of, like, playing with fire or whatever? But, like, it, it, like, in his warped, like, mind, he was a teacher so that he could, like, protect kids from, like, people like him mm. who weren't gonna hold back or like who would have acted on like this stuff or whatever so like he specifically felt this like need to protect these kids because he's like there's people like me out there except that like they're gonna act on this so like i'm you know the last line of defense or whatever it's just it's it's, oh (laughs) that's really intense it yeah yeah oh man (sighs) i feel weird googling like pedophile articles i know i know (laughs) but i was looking at that like oh man and I don't want to bring this up to scare people, but we need to know about it. Mm-hmm. And to not just hide it. You can't solve a problem you can't name or can't bring out to the open. Yeah. That's why all of this stuff is so reactive. There's no there's no prevention. There's no help. There's It's always just punishment after the fact, and that's not effective. <laughs> right, and I think that's also it's why like Sadie after it's takes always it too into late. her own hands. Yeah. Uh, you want to move to dessert? Yeah. So for dessert, we have tart apple pie. Sadie is going through like the history of things she knows about Keith. And one of them is this diner where he always said that they had the best apple pie. So she goes there and is trying to find him or, uh, you know, his number or his address. And our topic is full cast audio. I really, really liked this. Yes. If you are into audiobooks, then... Yeah, this one's definitely worth the listen in audio. I love the soundscape and the atmospheric fear it, in, it involves, but like all the little noises, like when when Wes McRae is like on the phone and you can hear the cars driving by or when they're in the 
trailer, the sound changes when they're in the trailer space versus when they're in another space. And then for Sadie, we get her stutter. I push past the block, letting out a small gasp. You know why she's bullshitting me? Haven't been around that long. Just long enough to know she can be a real bitch when she wants to be. She looks at her hands. Her nails are pink and long and pointy, and I imagine the feel of them clawing across skin. Every little thing about you can be a weapon, if you're clever enough. Which Mm -hmm. is so good. It's just, it really lends, like, this other... It lends this other weight to her kind of path because she has to interact with all these people and you know she gets the weird reactions to the stutter every time she has to kind of trick herself in being able to say the words that she wants to say I thought that was really well done also like the contrast between her inner monologue and then her like speaking is really stark too yeah she I think her narrative has some of the best turns of phrase that I've heard in a long time just like I can hear a lie a mile away it's not some superhero perk from stuttering being in tune to other people's emotional bullshit it's just what happens after a lifetime of listening to liars Ruby is lying he said he was a a regular new Ray. Well, I'm not Ray, and I don't know him. She slides the photo back to me, the tone of her voice taking a saccharine turn. You know, my daddy left me when I was younger than you. Trust me when I tell you sometimes it's just better that way. Really direct. She's so smart, and she just gets it and like can really cut to the quick of a situation or a person just because of the observation skills. It's really interesting. Yeah. And then, I mean, a full cast audiobook is just... I, all of the ones that I've listened to have just been an awesome listening experience because it really just feels like you're listening to like a play or a movie because it's not just different characters doing the different... or different people doing the different voices. It's like sound effects, like... Uh, a door opening and closing or like little whatever background noises like if somebody's in like a crowded cafe you can hear blah blah and then like because half the book was like this podcast narration like that just was really cool like it just felt like you're listening to a podcast and and I think they actually I think they released the west chapters as a podcast also yeah I read that somewhere it'd be an interesting experience of the story yeah the Girls, Season 1, Episode 1. Because he does solve some of the mystery, but he doesn't get all of it. I do want to ask why he gets to tell the story. <sighs> I want to know, why are we more inclined to listen to this guy and his daughter, yeah. with the daughter, than the girl herself? Yeah. I mean, I did like that he acknowledged, or I, I like that Claire called him on his bullshit when he was like, well, I have a daughter. And she's like, come on. Like, <laughs> that's the only reason that you care. Yeah. Or whatever. And then he had to reckon with that or whatever um because so many guys like don't care about women's issues until they can relate it to somebody they personally know like oh i have a daughter now or oh well if somebody treated my wife the way the blah 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 it's like okay or you could just see women as people (laughs) even if you don't have to be related to one or married to one but that's just so hard to see women as people 
I mean, I don't, I feel like <laughs> guys are just like, I don't know, like influenced from a young age to think that girls are just like these mysterious creatures. Like girls don't like have bodily functions and ooh, when they go into a bathroom together, who knows what happens or, you know, whatever, like just girl, women are people. I don't know. I think a lot of guys don't have female friends. Yeah. That's what the, the, the men that I think have the most tendency to think women aren't real or like don't have female friends. Like maybe they're in their guy friend group, there's partners. And so they know women through that, but they still are considered differently. They still all go out and have guys night or they still only talk to the guys and like the wives do something else or whatever, you know, it's like, if you don't socialize yourself with people who are different than you, then you don't understand them. So if you're just guys in a group of guys, you're not going to understand how, women are people he has a nice voice though he does i thought he was a little a little obnoxious i got annoyed by him yeah like hindsight's twenty twenty. yeah right and like now we can say and he can say like didn't anybody see that she needed help didn't anybody like why did you blah 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 but just the way that he kind of comes at like some of the people when he's interviewing them really you didn't think that that was weird really like you didn't notice that something was odd like it's really easy to say that now from behind your microphone yeah, or whatever. But like, I know that like somebody should have seen something and somebody should have helped her along the way. But I, I just, I don't like the way that he like came at people because I feel like most people would be torturing themselves with that anyway. I would like, Oh shit. I should have known. I should have seen something like, look at how Maybeth was after all of that. She's just like, Oh my God. Like there were so many signs. Blah, blah. And he's just like, there were so many signs. Like, why didn't you do anything? <laughs> It's like, thanks, bro. You know, it's like when you already think something like the worst about yourself and then somebody else says it, it's just like a punch in the gut. Yeah. You know, that's true. That's I don't know. That's kind of what I got from him. I was just more annoyed that he was like the expert. He was the one who had to do it. Like even say Claire is like, I need you to do something. I'm like, why is he now in charge of doing? something? Yeah. I was frustrated by that. Do you have your safe search on? I found it. The, the Google hidden? safe search? Yeah. No. <laughs> I don't have mine turned off. Okay. The article is from medium.com. It's by Luke Malone. And the headline is, you're 16. You're a pedophile. You don't want to hurt anyone. What do you do now? There's no helpline for pedophiles who want treatment before they act. So a teen with a terrible secret had to find his own way to save himself and others like him. Ooh. Yeah. It's from 2014. It's a, it's a, it's a difficult read, but it's, it's good. It's a perspective that a lot of people I think don't think about. Yeah, I mean, because pedophiles are people too. I mean, and that's and I yeah. I'm not trying to say like, I'm not trying to invalidate like anyone's story or defend like these. It's horrible. Well, I think that's what's the hardest part, right? Is like they're literally your neighbors, yeah, your family members, your paragons of the community. Yeah, they are you and me, and they're not some other thing. There's no way. There's no signal or sign or whatever there's no way to identify them just by looking at somebody i think all of us are capable of great harm you know just some of us have tendencies in one way or another like if there's somebody who knows that they have this urge or whatever to like hurt somebody and they're asking for help before that happens like there should be something for them like it's gonna be better for everybody in the long run rather than like pretending they don't exist or saying like oh ill you're a monster go away like they're like 
I'm, you know, I'm Bruce Banner. I'm trying to keep from becoming the Hulk. Can you right. help me? Like, <laughs> you know. Did you watch that Black Mirror episode? I, I haven't been able to bring myself to watch it. Oh, like, just the show in general. Because I, my, like, greatest fear is, like, robots taking over the world. Uh, and I feel like I'm going to just never sleep again if I watch, like, scary. <laughs> that show. I can't watch all the episodes. There's some that I've had to turn off and, and like, walk away from. But one yeah. of the most intense ones is one that involves a pedophile. And you don't know that the character yeah. is until the very end. Like, you feel sympathy for them. And then all yeah. of a sudden you figure out what they've done and you're like... Yeah. Well, now you, this is the person you've been invested in this whole time. Now, are you just going to turn your back on them? Sentient robots, like self-driving cars, like that shit is my worst nightmare. <laughs> oh. But yeah, in the article, like this guy, he started a support group, like for people who have nowhere else to turn, who, for people who like don't want to act. Mm. It's, it's, oh, it's fucking heartbreaking. Yeah, and I feel like that has to be tied to trauma, you know? Yeah. There's, I heard someone say there's like three different kinds of pedophiles. There's people who are born that way. There's people who are made that way. And then the third version is the people who choose to be that way. And that's, those are the creepiest folks, right? Yeah. Like, that's that's who I think Trump and Epstein are. But yeah. I don't know them enough to know what kind of trauma they experienced as a highly privileged millionaire white man my male child you know I have a feeling it wasn't that much trauma but <laughs> I have a hard time having sympathy for people who are so incredibly wealthy they can run the world I don't feel bad for them yeah I just there's no there's n- there's no excuse for hurting a child and if somebody is like saying help me I think I might hurt a child can you like stop me before it happens and people just want to be like it'll go away <laughs> that's not helping anybody it's not helping the children it's not i don't know our society is just like so reactive to problems instead of proactive yeah we're not good at it and we haven't built the systems to do it either yeah drinks drinks <laughs> our last topic is underage beers at the bar my dad owns <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> Which is where Sadie has, like, out of the entire book, there's only one section where she actually has, like, a teenage experience. And this is when she goes to the bar. She's tracking down Silas. His kids are there with some friends of theirs. And she has a singular moment where she gets to, like, be free. It's interesting. She's copying one of the other girls' Instagram, which I also thought was interesting. She stalks them on social media to find out where they hang out. And I love that she was just like, yeah, and, like, when they called her on it. (laughs) Right? I wish I was that brave to admit that I stalk people on Instagram because <laughs> I totally do. Everybody does it. But like if you're called on it, you would just want to be like, oh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I accidentally double tapped like I wasn't <laughs> looking back at your photos from two years ago. <laughs> I've done that so many times. <laughs> no, I didn't oh. like that comment. Yeah. And Sadie's just like, yeah. And I mean, also, when you are a person of poor means and you're living out in a trailer and like you don't have things you know, social media is one of the only ways to see what you don't have and like to kind of live vicariously through what other people are posting. Yeah, absolutely. But back to my point, like no, nobody wants to help Sadie. And then also just like no women help her in this book. Yeah. Even Mary Beth like harbors the guy, like doesn't yeah. think he's a bad guy, doesn't listen to Sadie when she says he's a bad guy, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then I don't know. I mean, of course, yeah, like hindsight's twenty twenty, and like, 
just some like it's not fair that like it falls on the victim to I don't know to bring it to everybody's attention and to that was super traumatic and like it just sucks that like she can be believed without having to go into like detail and like relive that trauma like somebody should have believed her like the women they're either scared of her or for her yeah but no one actually helps her so she's basically forced to manipulate men to help her she still like really doesn't have a friend or an ally the entire time there's nobody it's just her yeah and i just want to bring up this like taking justice into your own hands trope it looks like for girls in yi this means killing people yeah we've seen it over and over again there is a trend of girls and like not only in the contemporary but in the fantasy of like women trained to kill in these books it's like it's clearly a fantasy that a lot of young girls want to live out and like I think that speaks directly to the trauma they're experiencing and their inability to get help and their inability to see justice at anyone's hands but their own I totally saw an article on Twitter that somebody posted on Twitter today and it's about this woman in like the 1600s who uh helped over like 600 women poison their husbands <laughs> sorry I'm, I'm not i'm sorry no i, I mean, mean that sounds like someone who i'd want to be my friend i know right <laughs> but like i gotta find it the person who i follow who posted it like posted it and she just wrote like, feminist icon <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck where is it if you're any guy listening out there, just please note that in the 1600s, women were literally trapped in marriage and they couldn't control themselves. The men controlled everything. There's a reason why that would be your only out. Yeah, exactly. And the article like goes into that. Here we go. Meet the woman who... Loading. Also another article from Medium. Meet the woman who poisoned makeup to help over 600 women oh. murder their husband. So she made this like poisonous concoction that was like a combination of like arsenic, lead, and belladonna and like sold it in like makeup bottles or whatever so that it could look all inconspicuous like on the nightstand and you like put a drop in your husband's soup every night for a few nights so it like he gets sicker over the course of a few days or whatever and it doesn't you know look suspicious or whatever and she was doing this for she and her mother and daughter were like running like a (laughs) wow like fucking empire for like 50 years until um one of the women who had bought it from her like got cold feet and like admitted to her husband and then, like, yeah, then she got killed. Get stitches. I know. <laughs> yeah, and then she and her like daughter were executed or whatever. But uh, like, I mean, these were you know arranged marriages where women didn't get a say. They were treated like shit, and they had to take the law into their own hands because that was like yeah. their only way to be free. Yeah, yeah, not just like shit, but like abused. Many of them were like probably married as children, yeah. sexually <laughs> abused by older men. That's kind of what treated women's like lives were for a long time. Yeah, you know. There's a re I mean, there's a reason why like systemically in culture and our and like our laws and everything that like women don't really get justice because it was built in them that they were second class citizens, if not even citizens. And when women do come forward, like when are we believed? Like there's hundreds of rape kits sitting collecting dust that nobody's done anything about, like so many domestic abusers like are part of the police and stuff that like if a woman is being abused and like calls the police like they will side with the husband or whatever it's just yeah so i mean it makes sense why it's a common you know trope yeah or like a kind of fantasy to like get revenge on your own terms or be a vigilante or whatever yeah i do have vigilante justice dreams it's true (laughs) how did you feel about the ending it was intense. Yeah. 
I think I need to go back and actually listen to it again. Yeah. Because I thought we were going to hear from her again and we don't. Yeah. Because it was alternating and then it was like the podcast, the girls, Sadie, the girls, Sadie, the girls, the girls, the girls. I'm like, oh shit, what happened to Sadie? Yeah. <laughs> like when it catches up to her and then it's just, yeah, we don't really find out the truth or whatever. I think it felt more realistic than if way. we had gotten like a neat little conclusion oh, wrapped yeah. up in a boat. Even if it wasn't like a happy ending, even if it was just, we know for sure, like Sadie killed this dude or we found Sadie. She was here or yeah. we found Sadie's body or yeah. whatever it was. It was just like, Sadie, if you're out there, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. It seems like more, it would have felt too rushed. I think otherwise, I, I don't know. I thought it was well. I mean, I'm not happy about it, right? But like, <laughs> I don't think there was another way to do it and have it. There was no, there was not going to be satisfaction yeah. no matter what. Yeah. I think the option that Courtney Summers picked was a good one. Yeah. I mean, really well crafted. And I, I'm also wondering, like, are we going to see more of these books built for sound? I don't know if reading the book would have given me the same experience as yeah. listening to the pod, the audio. Yeah, definitely. I think it being full cast made it like a different listening experience than a typical audiobook. But the the woman who voiced Sadie was so good. Like you could hear the emotion in her yeah. voice like at different points. And then like you said with like the stutter. And then there were a couple of things where like because the perspective goes back and forth between like Sadie and then like the people that West is talking to or something that Sadie said the other person recalled in a completely different way. Yeah. And like, I don't know if it would have had the same effect in text as it did to like hear it spoken out loud. Cause like when Sadie said that like the first dude at the truck stop, like pulled his pants down or whatever. And she pulled her switchblade on him or whatever. Like when he's telling the story to West, it was like, she pulled a knife on me yeah. out of nowhere for no reason at all. And it's like, mm. and then like <laughs> one part that really gave me chills was when Sadie remembered the night before her mother left. So she was what, 19. Um, she had fallen asleep on the couch and her mother was like stroking her hair and she whispered, I made you. Mm. But then in the mom's recollection, this happened when Sadie was a little kid and the mom was stroking her hair and Sadie woke up and said, you made me. And like, that mm. was the way that the mom remembered it. And like, for whatever reason, that just like gave me goosebumps. I'm just like, holy shit. <laughs> I don't know. And I don't know if it would have, felt the same just reading it as like hearing it yeah did wow bringing up that example is so key that just again illustrates how you can live your life next to somebody so closely and just like still not live the same reality or have the same experience as them you know yeah that's why everyone deserves to tell their own truth yeah and i mean maddie never got to so like a big part of that is like sadie i think it's implied by maybeth at one point or i don't know if it was maybeth or i can't remember if it was uh west that like if keith had abused her and not maddie like she wouldn't have gone to all these lengths but because it happened to maddie mm. like she was you know by any means necessary gonna track this guy down mm. i don't know what do you think about there was definitely a guilt in that whole thing i mean one west discovering that uh claire never sent the postcard that i, d I didn't see that coming <laughs> i was like oh shit like that sadie was trying to solve a problem but then made it but more then, difficult yeah. and that was like her attempting to parent as a teenager herself you know not realizing that it would you know that maddie would want to not being able to have a conversation with your sister 
in a way that could emotionally support them having to make up something that they wanted, but then not realizing how tainted that would make the situation and be able to like come back to it. You know, the truth will out. Yeah. One of my big things that I'm working on in therapy is like self-worth. And so I don't know whenever I like am down on myself or whatever, like my therapist is like, is that how you would talk to your best friend? You know? And it's like, no, I would never talk to my best friend the way I talk about myself or whatever. So I wonder if it's something like that with Sadie, like if it had just been her, if she would have felt like she wasn't worth it, but because like he did this to Maddie, she went to these extreme lengths to, to make him pay. Maddie was the only thing she cared about in life. Right. But like, she wouldn't have done that for just herself. It's like what it seemed to be implied in the book. Yeah. Yeah. So no. And she even, I think when we go into that physical description of the two girls and like, who who does the world see as having more value is it the older sibling who's less attractive with the stutter it's very much based on that and like her view I'm sure is also shaped by that too because it also seems like it seems like that is how her mom thought as well like you know like everything was about Maddie blah 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 but I mean in the end you can it it kind of makes sense she just felt like inadequate i guess mm. for sadie is what it seemed to and she was a child herself when she had her yeah and like maddie was sort of her chance to do it right or mm-hmm. whatever i definitely felt a little bit of my own feelings towards my mother in that situation like not my mother is not a person who dealt with addiction who fed me bottles of like gatorade or whatever or like what? mountain dew mountain dew yeah but my mother and i have never really gotten along very well and it's just because we are really different people like we were very similar but like we just it's not easy we have to work at it and there that trust there isn't there intrinsically and I think that that's what it was I mean Sadie could point to specific reasons why like this is these are why I can't trust you to take care of me or my sister you know but without that like without that trust without that knowing that your parent didn't do for you like didn't invest in you didn't protect you yeah somewhere in here you said about the mom demanding west like figure it out and find her and blah 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 like i'm sure a lot of that is projection because like she because when i was listening to it i was like really you're gonna say this man has to find your daughter when you never gave a shit but like i think that's part of it probably is that like she's projecting like because she never like invested that much into sadie now it's like, I don't know. I think what we get from Claire is like she was looking for a savior too. That's why she had all these men in her life. Yeah. That's why she went through all these boyfriends is like she was looking for someone to take care of her when as the mother you're supposed to be taking care of the kids. But if you don't have the skills and experience to do that and you are suffering from And she lost addiction. her own mother early too. Yeah. So yeah. Oh man. This book is a punch in the gut. <laughs> but it is so good. Yeah. I just thought it was so well written and well acted in the audio and just yeah. Worth it. left me reeling. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Worth it. I mean, not a book I'd pick for myself again. Like No, that's a one time <laughs> listen. But yeah. Well then until next month. Book appetit. Where are you now? I'm trying to get back with never